What's up, everybody? This is Brian here to tell you about our podcast, Bingetown TV. Our hosts include seven best friends with a love for all things television. We cover a range of genres with a focus on fantasy and sci-fi, but also dip our feet into drama, horror, comedy, and pretty much anything we think is good television. We use the traditional deep dive formula for new live shows that are released week to week, but our calling card is our Rooks and Vets and Pitchtown TV series. Rooks and Vets pairs two of our hosts that have seen a show with two of our hosts that have not seen a show. Pitchtown TV is when we have a special guest pitch us a show by having us watch the pilot and trying to convince us to watch the rest. If you're craving more content on some of your favorite TV shows, then you should listen to Bingetown TV. Find us on our website at bingetowntv.com, the Apple Podcast app, Spotify, or wherever else you may find your podcast. Put down that smartphone and listen to me. I'm Matthew Milligan, professional musician and lifelong Weird Al fan. Each week, I'm joined by professional podcaster and close personal friend Matt Kelly to take a dive off the deep end into the vast career of pop culture icon Weird Al Yankovic on our show, Weird Algorithm. Along with some very special guests from the worlds of music and comedy, we tackle every song, every television appearance, and every bit of sketch comedy Al has produced in chronological order, covering the good old days of My Bologna and Eat It, the fun zone of tacky and white and nerdy, and everything in between. As we go, we're ranking the songs, albums, and music videos in the hopes of creating the ultimate guide to a career bigger than the biggest ball of twine in Minnesota. So the next time you're having one of those days stuck in a traffic jam wondering why does this always happen to me, just kick off your sneakers and stick around for a while because we've got it all on Weird Algorithm. Available wherever you get your podcasts. And now you know. Was that enough references? I'm a mess. I'm such a wreck. Hey Geekscapists, with Valentine's Day around the corner, we've decided to hook you up. Geekscape has partnered with the video dating app Filter Off to bring you a free and fun video speed dating event on Saturday, February 13th. To take part, all you've got to do is download the Filter Off dating app to your smartphone. Find the Geekscape event in RSVP with the code GEEKSLOVE2. That's T-O-O, because we do love to. You don't have to wait until Valentine's to use the app either. It's fun and free, and Matt Kelly has already racked up a ton of dates on it, so what have you got to lose? Download Filter Off, and we'll see you on February 13th. Geekscape forever. Dylan? Dylan? Oh no, it's just me. So this is a little bit scary, flying solo without my my Christmas BFF by my side. Unfortunately, Dylan's cat, who you may have heard in the background of a few episodes, managed to flood the, the 
bathroom. Uh, so Dylan is dealing with that, but that is fine because we have an incredible guest for you listeners today. Uh, ever since we started the show, people keep asking, when are you going to talk about the Hallmark Christmas movies? They are such a giant, important piece of a lot of people's Christmas celebrations. And we just so happened through one of our past guests to have a connection with someone who starred in one of this year's Hallmark movies. So from the Christmas bow, we have Jill Kaneshiro joining us. Jill, thank you so much for joining me today on the show. Thank you so much for having me, Matt. Let's talk about Hallmark movies. Okay. Now, I think... I think we're going to have kind of two pieces of this episode. We're going to have an episode with you. And then another friend of mine wants to talk about as just a viewer, what they love about these movies. And Hallmark has managed to carve out a very specific genre of Christmas movie that is so popular that one could argue that Netflix is kind of stealing their format now for a lot of their original movies. They are trying. They are definitely trying, but Hallmark, I think, will forever be untouchable in that regard. <laughs> now, before you did Christmas Bow, were you already a big Hallmark <laughs> Christmas movies fan? <laughs> okay, I cannot lie about this, but no, I, I, I actually, <laughs> I had never seen one. I had never seen a Hallmark movie, and I was like, oh, I have to watch one now, <laughs> you know, to see what I'm... <laughs> where this is going to go. And uh, I, I talked to some diehard Hallmark friends and I was like, give me suggestions because honestly, I thought it was kind of cheesy. I wasn't sure what I was getting into. And so they gave me suggestions and God, it, I, I have to say I'm kind of a, a Hallmark fan now. It's just, it's so beautiful and, and simplistic and it, it's just a feel good time. You know, there's, there's nothing more to it. It just makes you feel good watching it. I'm like, oh, okay. I get it. I see why people love it. Yeah, I was never big into the Hallmark Christmas movies myself, but mm -hmm. over the last year or two, especially last year, I had my wisdom teeth taken out in the beginning of December. So I was kind of indoors a lot more than the normal holiday season. And you mm -hmm. know, this year, the world has decided that I'm indoors for most of the Christmas <laughs> season. Yes. So, so I was going through a lot of the streaming service stuff, and that's when I started to dip into those Netflix original Christmas movies. And I went into them with a very like, like almost like, oh, this is going to be dumb. I'm going to have fun making fun of it. <laughs> and yeah. it it was such an immediate warm blanket of a show, like of a movie to watch. And I was like, I get it. I get yeah. the appeal of these now. <laughs> Absolutely. I was listening to your first episode, uh, Let It Snow. And we moved into our our the place we're staying in now at this time last year and that was the first movie we watched here and and nobody had talked about it it wasn't like advertised but i had seen it on like a recommended for it, it was like a logo recommended something so i'm like oh we'll just watch it but it was so charming and just you know it was it was a, feel it's good a magical movie, movie. <laughs> i really think it's a magical special movie and i i think that netflix really screwed up not putting the marketing yeah like i before i ever watched it i knew about the christmas prince trilogy you know what i mean mm -hmm. like they mm -hmm. blasted that everywhere on netflix so to like yeah. bury something like let it snow that i think could and should have been a theatrical release honestly is like a, insulting to me but <laughs> yeah there there is something about those movies where 
you know, the way I describe it is, you know, our our connection is through obviously the Fright School podcast boys Mm -hmm. of Josh Mm -hmm. and Joe. Um, Joe introduced me to Gilmore Girls last year. (laughs) And and, I mean, the thing that I liked about Gilmore Girls is the same thing that I do like about the, the, the brand of Hallmark Christmas movies is that when you go into it, you're not going to be sitting there with this overwhelming drama and a lot of stress and like a lot of like heavy stuff. It's it's like everything is going to be okay. You know that it's going to have a happy ending. Everyone's yeah. going to overcome their struggles. Like yes, it's yes. just you just like go in with like low commitment and it's, <laughs> it's that perfect show where you just imagine yourself watching the TV by a fire with like some hot cocoa in your hand and a blanket yeah. up to your neck and just enjoying yourself. <laughs> 100%. That's so true and I in fact am was not or am not still a, a Gilmore Girls fan, but I had I I got a commercial that was specifically talking about Gilmore Girls. So I had to pretend I was a huge fan of it. And <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I'm getting all these things that I've never done before. And and it's it's opening my eyes to all the, the brilliant stuff out there that you're so right. It's just a, a warm cup of, of like comfort. And it's it's pretty good. People need to watch it, especially nowadays. We need more yeah. of this. And we've said that about even this show. Like when we decided to make this show, the idea mm-hmm. was like, I need as someone who's produced so many podcasts that while they're fun, they have this edge of pessimism in them. Yes. I wanted something that was just so fully optimistic and upbeat <laughs> and wholesome and funny. Like I, I think that you can be all of those things. And so much of comedy is the pessimism. It's it's much yes. easier to make fun of something than it is to like genuinely celebrate it. That's true. Let's walk through the whole experience because I feel like (laughs) everything I've heard, the only thing I've heard comparable to Hallmark is maybe Lifetime in the way that it is like this almost a singular entity that just creates these things. And, you know, you should be excited because from what I understand, it's like if you get your foot in the door, (laughs) it's usually not just for one thing. I'm hoping that's the case because I'm hearing that from everybody. So I hope that that is the truth. (laughs) How did you first even hear about the the job? Okay. So I've been a theater actor for, you know, 20 plus years and I just started doing commercials probably two years ago. And my commercial agent just happened to submit me for this in August, I think middle August, and they wanted to see me. So I sent in a submission of all the scenes, just playing to myself. And then they called me, I sent it in Friday, they called me on Monday and told me I had the part. And I was like, oh, oh, wow. Wow, that's, (laughs) that's insane. And they're like, can you be in Utah? I'm like, oh, when? Yeah, you know, (laughs) and it was basically the next Day. I think I had to go up Wednesday because I needed to be COVID tested and quarantined for a couple of days. So I went up Wednesday, got tested Friday, and then we started shooting Monday. Holy crap. Yeah, it was a very quick process and it was incredible. It was an incredible experience. It was my first, you know, TV, film, anything. So I've done commercials and that was my extent of on-screen acting. So and, until now, was there something about specifically the Christmas bow that drew you to it, or or was it more just your agent saying, "Hey, this is a thing that I think would be really good for you"? Well, my agent submitted me just because of the age range and the ethnicity that they wanted for this character, and they were looking for her. And 
they wanted someone who could play Lucia Micarelli's mother because Lucia is half Korean, half Italian. So they're like, you kind of have to look like her. So I guess I kind of fit that mold, which I'm very blessed to say that I do because she's beautiful and just so talented. But yeah, so they submitted me by picture and they were like, okay, we'll see if she can act. And that's how I got in. That's awesome. Yeah, it was incredible. So you, they basically essentially rush you out to Utah, which mm-hmm. I'm not sure if it was your first experience in Utah, but I, I've been there once before and it is a very gorgeous state. It was probably one of the most beautiful places I've been. Unfortunately, the time that, you know, COVID and everything, we weren't able to go out much. And also it was 116 degrees. <laughs> so, so I wasn't able to explore the, the beauty of it. You know, I wasn't able to hike much or any of that. So I'm definitely going to go back just because I've never seen anything so beautiful. And I, I mean that right there, that sentence alone, it's what is it like in a hundred, did you say 116? <laughs> it was like a hundred and it ranged from like 110 to 116. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, in 110 to 116 degree weather, you're filming a Christmas movie. <laughs> <which> is... <laughs> yes. Yeah. It was, and and we're talking, you know, the coats and everything. But luckily, my shots were all indoors. But you know, they had outdoor festival scenes where they were wearing scarves and mittens and jackets, and oh, I, I can't imagine. But ours was indoors. We couldn't have the air on because of noise. And then we had our fireplace going. So it was, oh, no. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was a lot. It was, and I, it, I think a lot of the Hallmarks air shoot like that, you know, during the summer and then air for Christmas. So, cause it was a quick turnaround. We shot the end of August and then uh, we premiered in November. So it was quick. And I think that's, most of them that's shoot like really that. really quick turnaround time. It yeah, was. And, they, and I guess that that's kind of, again, the the hallmark and, and I guess to a certain extent the lifetime thing is that they are able to just churn out these things <laughs> at, at a rapid speed. It's, it's not, you know, you've got some movies where they might take two or three years of post-production before yep. it's ready to come out like a Marvel movie. And then you mm-hmm. have a Hallmark movie where you're shooting it in the summer and it's out by November. Exactly. Which is, is crazy. But you said this was your first TV film role, but you had done mm-hmm. some commercial stuff. Was there anything that was notably like jumped out at you as dramatically different than what you were used to? Or I, I could see in a weird way Hallmark actually falling into, because of the quick turnaround time, a very familiar commercial-like shooting schedule. You know, it was a regular set as far as shooting schedule, but it was, I don't, I'm not sure if this was the norm, but they are, it was so warm and welcoming as far as like everyone was family and everybody knew each other. They've all worked together, you know, anyone from stagehands to lighting to all the crew, they all knew each other. You know, even you say like, if you've been in a Hallmark movie, you get asked back. But as far as like the director, Claire Niederprum, she has directed, I think, three other Hallmark movies. So they all they all get asked back. And so they're all very close. And it, I'm like, oh, gosh, since this was, this was my first experience in on TV and film, I want it to always be like this. So I, I have a high precedence for the next, my next one, <laughs> unfortunately, uh, or fortunately. I mean, I think they'll, they'll, satisfy every time. Uh, So obviously we're in a very weird time where you can't really have a huge 
gathering for a big viewing party. But sure. What was it like on the premiere day? For you? <laughs> it was just uh, me and my girlfriend and friend who came over to watch it for watch it with us, and because it aired at like ten at night, I think um, the first <laughs> day. So it aired at ten, and and you know people, my friends commented on it throughout, you know, on Facebook and stuff. So it was, it was neat. It was hard to watch myself. So I kind of played with my dogs while I was on TV. It was, (laughs) it was interesting for sure. It's such a weird thing. And I think that people get this idea about performers of any type that, that we just love seeing ourselves in the spotlight. Mm -mm. But I feel like more often than not, I, I mean, I'm glad that I edit all of my own podcast content, but it is punishing to basically have to listen to my own voice four or five days out of the week. Yep. (laughs) Yep. Like, oh, (laughs) yeah. You pick up every bad habit you have. You pick up every awkward tick. You're just like, I don't like this. Like, oh, I sound like that. No. (laughs) You know, with COVID and everything, all of our auditions have been through video submissions. So I haven't even had to go up to LA and. I've had to, you know, edit my submissions and, oh, it's just awful watching yourself. You're like, oh, I can't believe I even do that. (laughs) It's so bad. My sister, my niece came over for Thanksgiving and my niece wanted to film a TikTok video, a TikTok dance (laughs) with me, Uh which, which I agreed to do. And then my sister pointed out that I was trying so hard to concentrate on remembering all the moves that I am stone faced biting the bottom of my <laughs> lip with like the most <laughs> intense stare. And I was like, God, I want this video just wiped off of the earth. I don't want people to see wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> okay, now and I have to know where I can find this. <laughs> I'll, I think my sister shared it. I'll try to get a copy and send okay. it to you. I'll, I'll do that for you. Thank you. Uh, now, with the role, you you are pretty high on the the call list on IMDb, and you're were you there for an extended period of time, or were you there for just a week, or like do you feel like you got to experience most of the filming? Or were you kind of you know in in and out quickly? We shot. They shot for. I believe a month. <laughs> I don't even remember. Maybe two. It was either two weeks to a month. But I was there at the very beginning, and we shot. I was only there for a couple of days, and I drove back home to San okay. Diego because I wasn't going to shoot for another week. So I came home for a week, and then I drove back out, and then I shot for four days. So I was only needed for six days, and I think they shot for two weeks. Yeah, I think that's how it worked. Okay, that's not too bad. So that's about half the shoot schedule you were at least yeah. there to experience it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, that's cool. So I feel like uh, there was there was a short uh, short lived podcast that I used to love called I Was There Too. Mm-hmm. Um, and the concept of it was interviewing people who were extras for one day on oh, a production. Yeah. And the idea of like, you get to see this very microscopic piece of the full shoot and like what your experiences were just in that one day. That's a great podcast. Oh, it was such a cool idea. It's just a very cool way to like look at a project. But yeah. you got to experience the whole thing. For the most part, you got I to did. see the process, and that's very, very cool. It is. It's. It, yeah. I. You know. I. Since, like I said, I hadn't been in one to to see how we filmed, and then to see the final project and how it all came together was just 
I'm like, oh my God, it, it, it is truly movie magic. You know, the, what they do, all the editors and everything. It's just, I, I cannot get over the talent of these people. I, I'm like, I, I'm glad I'm just in front of the camera. Cause I don't know how you all put it together in the end, but it was beautiful. Yeah. To see. And I think that that brings back what we were talking about earlier with like, it's such a, it's such a shame because we do live in this society where something like a Hallmark movie is immediately kind of looked at through most people with like rolling eyes and (laughs) and I think that it Mm -hmm. devalues how much time and effort and work go into like making something like that and that is true and how much we need like we said before we need those optimistic things every once in a while like don't get me wrong I don't I'm never going to campaign that a Hallmark movie should be in contention for best picture (laughs) you know at at the Oscars but like Mm -hmm. not every movie needs to be a you know, three hour long, just heartbreaking drama either. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, nope. There's a time and a place for all of it. Yeah. But, and, and even, you know, with just what homework puts out, it's these people are turning over full length movies in, you know, a month and a half. And to think that they did all of this work is incredible. So yeah, I, I definitely want to give props to all the people behind the scenes. Cause I don't know how they do that. And they look good. Like, they look like I'm incredible. A, yeah. Like, like I'm a big horror movie fan, and like mm-hmm. horror movies have had a long history of the quick turnaround time. But uh-huh. like, they also look really cheap. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, like the Hallmark movies are so well shot and like beautiful. Like the just the picture quality on them is fantastic. It's yeah. not like. It's not like when you had like something like Asylum Films, nothing against Asylum Films, but <laughs> Asylum Films like, hey, there's a Transformers movie coming out in theaters in three months. We've got to shoot Transmorphers to get that into Blockbuster in time. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. And it looks like it was rushed. Like it looks rushed. It looks like it was thrown together in, in a matter of weeks. But like right. the Hallmark movies don't look that. The Hallmark movies are shot in a way and it totally makes sense because you need to be able to constantly re-screen them but they look timeless they do they 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 fall into a completely timeless you could watch a lifetime or hallmark movie from 10 years ago and if you had never seen it before you'd think that it was just released that year you're so right about that yeah yeah (laughs) yeah so what was your draw into acting i think it was the fact that I never thought I could do something like this because I am deathly, deathly shy. Like I I couldn't even order at a restaurant. I was so shy as a kid or up until my teenage years. And in college, I kind of accidentally walked into an acting class, which I thought was a speech class. And I was there for a week and kind of fell in love with it. I'm like, oh, this is this is bringing out something in me that I didn't know I had. And I went to audition that weekend for a play that I saw advertised in Craigslist or something, and I got the lead in it. And it just kind of went on from there. It was something that I realized that I could not be myself, but bring out the best in me in not being myself. And it was something I've, I've been in love and so grateful for forever now. What's up, everybody? This is Brian here to tell you about our podcast, Bingetown TV. Our hosts include seven best friends with a love for all things television. We cover a range of genres with a focus on fantasy and sci-fi, 
but also dip our feet into drama, horror, comedy, and pretty much anything we think is good television. We use the traditional deep dive formula for new live shows that are released week to week, but our calling card is our Rooks and Vets and Pitchtown TV series. Rooks and Vets pairs two of our hosts that have seen a show with two of our hosts that have not seen a show. Pitchtown TV is when we have a special guest pitch us a show by having us watch the pilot and trying to convince us to watch the rest. If you're craving more content on some of your favorite TV shows, then you should listen to Bingetown TV. Find us on our website at bingetowntv.com, the Apple Podcast app, Spotify, or wherever else you may find your podcast. Put down that smartphone and listen to me. I'm Matthew Milligan, professional musician and lifelong Weird Al fan. Each week, I'm joined by professional podcaster and close personal friend Matt Kelly to take a dive off the deep end into the vast career of pop culture icon Weird Al Yankovic on our show, Weird Algorithm. Along with some very special guests from the worlds of music and comedy, we tackle every song, every television appearance, and every bit of sketch comedy Al has produced in chronological order, covering the good old days of My Bologna and Eat It, the fun zone of tacky and white and nerdy, and everything in between. As we go, we're ranking the songs, albums, and music videos in the hopes of creating the ultimate guide to a career bigger than the biggest ball of twine in Minnesota. So the next time you're having one of those days stuck in a traffic jam wondering why does this always happen to me, just kick off your sneakers and stick around for a while because we've got it all on Weird Algorithm, available wherever you get your podcasts. And now you know. Was that enough references? I think that that is wonderful. It's, it's funny looking at it through the lens of like me, like, you know, you always try to put yourself in similar shoes and you try to find, uh, I always talk about how life is a series of trying to find commonality and mm-hmm. and shared experience. And for me, I think back of like me as a kid who was so afraid to talk in front of people and was terrified yeah. of ever having to give a book report or do any type of public speaking uh-huh. to like look now and it's like, okay, well now... I host or produce five <laughs> weekly podcasts oh, where wow. I sit in front of a microphone and talk to potentially hundreds to thousands of people and feeling that connection, feeling that reaction when you like put something out there and people message you. We we were talking about last week when we put out the Let It Snow episode. Mm-hmm. I was so touched that you listened to it and were talking to me about it just now. But like <laughs> we got an we got an email already from someone in France saying that they said that, that, Hey, you know, we'd never heard of the movie. We listened for about 10 minutes and then had to pause the podcast and just had to go and watch it because (laughs) you guys hyped it up so much. And it's like, I don't know how you found our show, but I am so glad that you did. Like, I'm so glad that we, we reached out and we had this connection and like, whether we meet or never meet, I'm going to always think about the person in France that watched Let It Snow when I watched Let It Snow. And I hope that in France, you always think that you found this because of my podcast. Like That is so cool. And that cool. we have that. Yeah. Like, I think that there's something so beautiful about that communal connection that mm-hmm. that in this time, in this year where we are as more separated as we could ever be, yep. we have found ways to connect despite all of it. That's so And true. that's so cool. It is. And it it does bounce back to Hallmark. I think that there is this this thing with we're all trapped indoors mm-hmm. and with the streaming services and with the Hallmark movies and with the like the time of the holidays specifically, we get to have those shared 
I, I, I call them shared individual moments mm-hmm. where, where you're doing something by yourself, you're alone doing it, but you're hopping on the Twitter and seeing what people are live tweeting about it, or yeah. you're, you know, posted looking for the memes that people have posted about it. Like, yeah, I think that Tiger King in March set a tone <laughs> oh for gosh. how we were going to digest media this entire year. Where yeah. Like, it didn't true. matter if you saw Tiger King right when it dropped or if you waited until May, the uh-huh. second you watched it, all of a sudden, things that you had been seeing on the internet all clicked and made they sense made simultaneously. Sense, yep. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. I'm, as soon as I got the part and I, I got on all the Hallmark forums um, on Facebook, on Instagram and everything. And you're so, it's so true about it being a communal, a singular communal thing. It was, you know, they all, they all watch it together. They, you know, they talk about it. They're like, did you watch this? And then there's this whole wonderful conversation between strangers from all over the world talking about the singular subject. And it's, I, I love going on the Hallmark Facebook page and everything and just seeing everybody just how much they enjoy it and how much it's how necessary necessary it is to them especially nowadays and how it just brings them all together it's i highly recommend going on the hallmark facebook page cuz it's it's really a good you know escape for a little bit and they all they all show all their christmas stuff like i just decorated my house this week or they you know some of them decorated in october and they're showing their stuff but it's they all have this thing you know this one love of something and it's i can't believe what they've done and and how they were able to touch people in a way that no one else has and everyone wants to do now. So, but the, you know, Netflix and everything, they're doing a really good job at it considering, cause I watched a few of them and even Hulu now, isn't Hulu yeah. doing that too with a, that Kristen Stewart movie? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, happiest season. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Well, they, I think that what's also really great. And I know that there are people who do not like this, but I love that we have somehow found our way back to now streaming doing weekly episodes with like Disney Plus doing the weekly episode drop for like The Mandalorian yes, and you yes, know Amazon yes. Prime did that with The Boys but for me the big one was Netflix doing weekly episode drops of Great British Baking Show oh. <laughs> was like oh, it was yeah. so good it was text I had a group of friends we were all watching it and texting and getting frustrated <laughs> when our favorites left the show and it was it was such a great way to keep us in touch for 10 weeks. I agree. Like, I, I think that there's something lost in a binge. Like, a binge is fun mm-hmm. and it's great. But, like, the the way I explained it to a friend one day was, like, when I binge content, one of two things happens. I either do not retain or quickly forget things that I absolutely adored and loved, mm-hmm. or I am super forgiving of bad content. Like like a bad season of a show is like, well, whatever, it passed the last, it made the day go by. Right. And it's like, no, like, but when you're watching a show weekly, when you're dedicating years and years and years to like every Thursday at eight o'clock, I'm going to watch this show. Mm -hmm. You have that point where you're like, I'm not going to stand for the writing being this bad anymore. And you (laughs) walk away. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. I totally agree with that. Oh, I wanted to tell you, I don't know if it was you. If you were the one who said that you compared Let It Snow with Christmas, Empire Records, and... Yes, was that was that? me. Oh and my God. Can't Hardly Wait. Brilliant. <laughs> that was brilliant. And I'm sure that line is what made 
the person in Paris go, I'm going to watch this right now. I mean, it really is those two. It, Like I said on that episode, if you told me that that movie was filmed in 1996, mm-hmm. I would have believed you outside of the cast. Like everything <laughs> else feel, feels so 90s. Yes, And I want to bounce off of that. Talk, so talking about Let It Snow, talking about Christmas, we're hitting the very weird experimental area of will people continue to listen to a Christmas <laughs> podcast all year round? <laughs> um, <laughs> Yes. Well, what I'd love to know is, are you a Christmas fan? And Mm. if so, what are some of the absolute every year I need to do this at Christmas time? (laughs) Oh, no, I know. I knew this was going to be a question. And it's funny, but I had a lot of like family issues. And it came up usually around Christmas. So Christmas for me has always been just a time of conflict. And I've always kind of wanted to push it aside, even though as a kid, it was just the most beautiful experience. But, you know, as an, as I grew older, it was, it was really hard for me to around the holidays. But now that I'm, I'm past that and I'm in a good place with my family, it is once again, like a time of being young at heart and, and something that I, you know, I look forward to, I'm, I'm learning to love it again and I can see why everybody loves it too. So it's definitely grown to, to take a special place in my heart. But as far as, you know, the Christmas traditions, every year my mom would play the Kenny Rogers Christmas album. So, you know, (laughs) in some form, I have to listen to Kenny Rogers and Sound of Music. I don't know why, but you have to listen to the sound of music. So, yeah. It's so funny the weird things that we associate with the holiday, even if it's not specifically tied to the holiday. Right. You know what I mean? I I watched Babes in Toyland for the first time this year. And I've I've always heard like, oh, the the Christmas classic. And I watched it. I'm like, it really isn't tied to the holidays at all. But (laughs) it involves toys. So I guess we just kind of like associate it with that. Or, you know, I feel like. Wizard of Oz gets this like, oh, the Thanksgiving classic. Like it's always on Thanksgiving. There's no real right. reason mm-hmm. for us to mm-hmm. put the Wizard of Oz on Thanksgiving, but just became that thing. It yeah. just became that thing for us. Maybe next year I'm going to put on, in your honor, I'm going to put on Sound of Music for one of my <laughs> my nights of Christmas. <laughs> oh, that'd be so great. I mean, it's, it's funny because like to me, this has come up before and we've already talked about it in one episode already with Emmett Otter. But like, to me, the, the season isn't the season without the Muppets in my life. Like I mm-hmm. need to have all the different Muppet Christmas things. Cause they've made so many Christmas specials. The, yeah. Just I, it, to me, there's something about, and I, I think it matches what the goal is with the show of just, they are so overwhelmingly wholesome and full of love Yes. And it's it matches what you want to feel. Like the ideal feeling during Christmas time is that overwhelming positivity and love. It's so funny, Emma and Otter, I didn't I hadn't even heard of that until five years ago. And it is such a beautiful, just heartwarming. I, I can't even get over how, how wonderful it is. And my girlfriend usually has to watch it every single year. So I, I've kind of grown to love all of the you know, the, the must-haves, like the Charlie Brown Christmas, all of that, Rudolph and everything. So that is also part of my tradition that I didn't mention now. It's, we, yeah. we touched on it a little bit with, when we did the Emmett Otter episode, but like mm-hmm. there's something so beautiful about that special and the idea 
of making the centerpiece song a song that has really nothing to do with Christmas, but a song about remembering <laughs> yes. your loved ones that have yeah. passed on. So and beautiful. It's, oh my God, I think I my mom organizes the music at our local church every Christmas. Oh. And I think I've fully convinced her that her church band needs to do Where the River Meets the Sea this year during their Christmas set. Are they? Um, I, they're, I think they're going to do it. She was like, let oh, me try to so learn great. it. It is so, it just breaks your heart. It breaks uh-huh. your heart. It's beautiful. And, you know, that there's something about watching movies like that and shows like that where the message, and this is a message that I've needed ever since I was 13 and lost my grandfather, really. Mm-hmm. The message of like, Christmas is that time where it's okay to feel sad that the person that you wish was sitting at that table with you isn't able to sit at that table with you anymore. And like, that's okay. Like Mm -hmm. you're allowed to feel that. It's so weird to think that I go from getting so excited about Halloween and like all ramped (laughs) up and then like November 1st happens and just like a a switch is flipped and it's like, all right, it's time to get deep about feelings. (laughs) (laughs) But there's nothing wrong with it. I think that that's a life well led to to be able to appreciate the darkness and the light (laughs) simultaneously. You are so right. And, And most people don't have both of that. So when I was, you know, I've heard that you knew Joe and Joshua through, you know, the horror genre. I'm like, why is he doing Christmas? But just hearing, <laughs> hearing your appreciation for it is just, it's wonderful. I, I love, I love that you are able to, to go to both ends. And it's, I'm definitely want to follow that path too. So the story of Joe, Joe and I have a, a very fun origin story. Anybody who's not familiar with Joe beyond being on the episode, he is a very good podcast host, mm-hmm. but he is also one of the most marketing minded people persons you'll ever meet. <laughs> yes. So I have a booth at San Diego Comic-Con every single year. Okay. And I was selling horror shirts and he had just started Fright School and just walked up to me and was like, I see that you're selling horror stuff. I have a horror podcast and gave me his business card. <laughs> so I started listening to the show and I messaged him. and was like, I love the show. I appeared on Fright School a couple times. He appeared on my podcast a couple times. Uh, we flew him out to the Philadelphia area for a horror convention. Oh, wow. I make sure to make time to hang out with him every year at San Diego Comic-Con. So I hang out with him and Josh. Before the pandemic, I was actually going to spend the night at Josh's house. Oh, no. Joe is great. Joe and Josh are, I mean, I just feel joy whenever uh, they pop up anywhere in my newsfeed, anywhere in my day-to-day life. You're so right about that. They they just- They're beacons of, they're beacons of great people. They're just like, you want everyone you meet to be the people that they are. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that is great. I love that. That is so true. You just completely define the two, those two. That is so true. And and Joe had nothing but good things to say about you. He uh, he was like, "This is a dear friend. He's one of the most incredible people I've known." And he was trying to sell you, Uh-oh. and I'm like, "Okay, I'm already sold, so no worries." <laughs> but he just had high things to say about you. So yeah, Joe put me in touch with you, and it was just anything that Joe says is good. You know, I'm going to go for so. I uh, Joe has already got uh, like contacted us with like three or four different guests just because he was. <laughs> I shouldn't be surprised. Like there was something in my head that knew like, hmm, I'm going to do a Christmas podcast. Who is going to absolutely adore this? And like, right. 
obviously it was going to be Joe. Right. <laughs> it's nice yep. to know good people. And oh, I, yeah. I feel like we're probably close to about the same age range. And mm-hmm. I think we've both hit that point in our lives where like you start to learn that like you, if your friend is kind of shitty, they don't have to still be your friend anymore. <laughs> and like, that's yes. like such, it's such a thing in your twenties, like your twenties, you just spend it. A lot of it hanging out with people that you don't really like, like. or think <laughs> are that nice, but yeah. they're just like part of a social circle. And then, mm-hmm. you know, you get to your thirties and you're like, oh, I don't have the energy for that anymore. That is so true. <laughs> like, it's like, like unfriend, be, unfriend. Yep. Yeah. Like, I just want to be around people that make me a better me. And like, if people aren't going to be elevating me emotionally and elevating me as a person and are going to be actually making me a worse person for me being around them, then I really shouldn't be spending time with them. Yeah. Yeah. You learn a lot once you get to this age and it's like, oh, I seem to have wasted my twenties, but you needed that. It was necessary to go through that, to be able to see the other side of it as well. Oh, for sure. I yeah. I would argue that the two worst times in a human being's life. Seventh grade, seventh, eighth yeah, like grade. Six, yeah, like sixth, seventh, eighth grade mm-hmm. and your 20s. Oh, yeah. <laughs> they are they are the absolute worst. My the life, worst. In, mm-hmm. my life, the second I turned 30 was just just forward momentum in the most positive <laughs> way until yep. March 13th, 2020. <laughs> like, true, true, true. <laughs> but thank you so much for joining us, Jill. I yeah, want to ask you. you one last thing. We've okay. added a new segment to the show. Uh, mm-hmm. This was Dylan's creation. So it's unfortunate that Dylan uh, is currently <laughs> trying to clean an entirely flooded bathroom. But <laughs> oh, gosh. The, the question is, Around the holidays, obviously you have like your go-tos. You're always putting on, you know, It's a Wonderful Life for Me is a big one that I have to watch every year. Mm-hmm. But you're also always adventuring into like, ooh, I just found this new song that is now definitely going to go on every year's Christmas playlist. Or, oh, I just found this amazing movie. I'm going to make sure that every time that like November, December rolls around, I <laughs> make some time to watch this. Is mm-hmm. there anything that you discovered this holiday season that you are like 2021 and beyond, I am going to make it a point to revisit this every year. I I was so anti, not anti-Christmas, but I was so like Grinch about Christmas that most of the Christmas joy comes from Kim, my partner who just loves the season. So, you know, she has her everything, you know, that traditions that she has that we put in place. But I think one of my favorite things that we've kind of created together is I'm a huge penguin fan. So there's penguins all over our house. And now I think Christmas kind of lives in our house 365 days a year because of all the penguins standing around our house. And every year we just add more, especially to the ornaments for our tree. We just add two or three more penguin ornaments. So uh, uh, that's a tradition we started and it's just going to keep growing and I'm going to be living in a huge penguin house soon. So I love that. (laughs) I absolutely love that. Yeah. For mine, one of the Christmas soundtracks that has been in my life for years is the Mm -hmm. Hanson snowed in Christmas album. Um, (laughs) I've always, I've always loved that album, but about two years ago, they put out a sequel to it called finally it's Christmas And the thing with Hanson that people don't tend to realize, because they are 
I, I host a podcast about one hit wonders, so I know a little bit about mm. this. They are definitely a one hit wonder. They right, are right. they are known for Umbop and nothing else. But mm-hmm. while the rest of the world forgot about Hansen in 1997, um, Hansen never stopped playing, which means that they have become a group of musicians who have played together consistently for 25 years, oh, which wow. means that they are insanely talented now. <laughs> oh, wow. Um, and mm-hmm. this Christmas album is just phenomenal. It is so good. It's so funky. Like I, I hate <laughs> using that word, but they have uh, the the track specifically that I recommend everyone check out if they want to explore the Hanson Christmas album is a little two minute song that they put together called Joy to the Mountain, which is a combination of the best parts of Joy to the World and the best parts of Go Tell It on a Mountain smashed wow. into this just like sounds like Queen We Will Rock You type anthem with just a driving drum beat and a choir of voices singing it. It is, it'll put a tear in the eye every single time. <laughs> so uh, highly, that is my re rediscovery of this year is the Hanson. Finally, it's Christmas album. I'm going to check that out. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Please do. Jill, thank you again so much for joining us. If people want to follow more of your career, is there any social media that you want to recommend that they go and follow you on for when you appear in every Hallmark Christmas movie from now until eternity? <laughs> um, I'm just on, on Instagram and Facebook. I don't have my website up yet. I will eventually someday, but I'm just, you know, you could just follow me there. Instagram. I think I'm Jill Harue. Harue is my middle name. So yeah. Okay. And I will uh, get that from you before the episode comes out. We'll put that in the comments of the episode. You will find a link to all of Jill's socials. So thank you once again. And finally, happy holidays. Same to you. Thank you so much. Thank you again for having me. And and this is a wonderful show and best of luck to you with it. Hey everybody, I'm Chris Fafalius and I'm the producer of Chris Makes a Podcast and the host of the One Hit Thunder Podcast. And I'm Matt Kelly, host of Horror Movie Night and the producer slash the head of content for the Geekscape Podcasting Network. Between the two of us, we have, believe it or not, 25 years of podcasting experience and we want to help you start your own podcast. We know podcasting and we want to share that knowledge with you. So whether you're new to podcasting or you want some feedback on your currently active podcast, we want to help. Or perhaps you're just overwhelmed with all of the editing work. Well, we can help you with that also. You can contact us at info at weknowpodcasting.com for more information. We're excited to help your podcasting dreams become a reality. You're listening to the Geekscape Network. What's up, everybody? This is Brian here to tell you about our podcast, Bingetown TV. Our hosts include seven best friends with a love for all things television. We cover a range of genres with a focus on fantasy and sci-fi, but also dip our feet into drama, horror, comedy, and pretty much anything we think is good television. We use the traditional deep dive formula for new live shows that are released week to week, but our calling card is our Rooks and Vets and Pitchtown TV series. Rooks and Vets pairs two of our hosts that have seen a show with two of our hosts that have not seen a show. 
Pitchtown TV is when we have a special guest pitch us a show by having us watch the pilot and trying to convince us to watch the rest. If you're craving more content on some of your favorite TV shows, then you should listen to Bingetown TV. Find us on our website at bingetowntv.com, the Apple Podcast app, Spotify, or wherever else you may find your podcast. Put down that smartphone and listen to me. I'm Matthew Milligan, professional musician and lifelong Weird Al fan. Each week, I'm joined by professional podcaster and close personal friend Matt Kelly to take a dive off the deep end into the vast career of pop culture icon Weird Al Yankovic on our show, Weird Algorithm. Along with some very special guests from the worlds of music and comedy, we tackle every song, every television appearance, and every bit of sketch comedy Al has produced in chronological order, covering the good old days of My Bologna and Eat It, the fun zone of tacky and white and nerdy, and everything in between. As we go, we're ranking the songs, albums, and music videos in the hopes of creating the ultimate guide to a career bigger than the biggest ball of twine in Minnesota. So the next time you're having one of those days stuck in a traffic jam wondering why does this always happen to me, just kick off your sneakers and stick around for a while because we've got it all on Weird Algorithm, available wherever you get your podcasts. And now you know. Was that enough references? You're listening to the Geekscape Network. 